Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Vast wildfires have swept California, Australia, and many more places in recent years. They've tested the limits of firefighters on the front lines. And they also present new challenges for experts in many sectors. And that includes St. Louis University's Geospatial Institute, also known as GeoSLU. I love that name. So joining us today to talk about how their work intersects with wildfires and other natural disasters are two researchers for GeoSLU. That's Ness Sandoval. He's an associate professor of Sociology at St. Louis University and an Associate Director of the Geospatial Institute, GeoSLU. So, Ness, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting us. And we're also joined by Sean Stedman. He's the Director of the Emergency Management Program at St. Louis University. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Ness Sandoval, the website for the Geospatial Institute at SLU makes a really bold claim. It says, St. Louis University has been at the center of the nation's geospatial enterprise since the core of discovery returned to St. Louis with maps of the Louisiana Territory in 1806. Do you see a straight line from the Lewis and Clark expedition to the work that you do today? Absolutely. I I think what we're doing at St. Louis University is at the edge of cutting-edge research in terms of uh, innovation, adapting new uh, and emerging technologies to understand what's happening uh, in cities, what's happening in regions, and specifically looking at uh, topics uh, such as wildfires, extreme events that are interesting for public policy, but for the general public in in general. And for those of us who don't fully understand this idea of geospatial, I'm wondering, what does that even mean? So the idea of geospatial is that we've been collecting data for, for many decades, but what's new is that we're able to put that data on a map. We're able to actually locate it. And so that's the geospatial. With, um, with new technology and computers that are pretty fast, we're able to actually ma- not only map uh, this data to kind of sh- visualize patterns that are important, but we're able to study these acad- from an academic perspective and understand what's significant about that map. So ma- maps are important, but we want to look at the map and saying. So what's significant? Uh, So why geospatial is important is it allows us to create decision support systems that allow us to make better decisions, uh, empirical decisions. Give us an example of a map. I know we'll talk about wildfires in a minute, but something that has nothing to do with wildfires, where this geospatial stuff is really critical. So take a look at, at crime. So if you map crime and you map the dots of crime and you do it for a couple years, the map makes no sense because it's just a lot of dots. But if we start to use geospatial technologies and try to understand the patterns, what are the relationships that exist with different types of crime to the social and built environment, then we can start to better understand what's causing or what what factors are associated with different types of crime during the day, during the night, are these uh, bars, liquor stores that may be influencing different types of crimes? So, oh, so that's, okay. we're looking at patterns that are significant. So, Sean, I'm wondering, um, for agencies that do disaster work, how are they incorporating geospatial systems in ways that, that maybe would have seemed unthinkable, say, 20, 30 years ago? Well, it's pretty unique in that with the geospatial systems, we look for patterns as well, but we're the ones that actually make the decisions off of those patterns. So what we're trying to do is take all that information and say, okay, I have a pattern, now what am I going to do in a management standpoint to address that pattern? And so a lot of the agencies are taking all this data that's out there, and they're looking at the data and saying, how does that impact the community, or how does that impact my decision-making for the community? And it, it's, 
across the board from, you know, from NGOs, non-governmental organizations such as Red Cross and Catholic Charities, all the way through to fire and police. Those are the ones we always think about. But then we also look at, okay, what about evacuations? Um, what about travel issues? And so there's a, it's a really broad area. Uh, we use geospatial data even to the point where we look at avalanches. And really? So we can Give take, me an example of how that would work. So what they'll do is they'll look at the data and they'll look at the snow depths, and then they determine with the fall of the snow, with the, between the weather forecast and what's existing, uh, what's vulnerable. And so they can then take a look at maybe we need to go and address those issues right away. So as part of what then you're trying to teach students is almost how to read these maps, how to look at this data? So what we're looking at from our perspective is not only how to read the data, but how to use it. Um, so we're all about the management of those incidents and events. Okay. Well, that's actually, oh, sorry. Uh, this is an important point because uh, we have data, but part of what we do at universities is we want to turn that data into information. Mm-hmm. And so that requires a certain level of a competency uh, of, of algorithms, of statistics. It's like what information is important for different types of organizations. So wh- an example I just would briefly mention is Amazon. So Amazon is using geospatial technology and how they track shipments. And so if, you, if you're using Amazon, they'll tell you your, your shipment's 10, 10 stops away. Yeah. It's, it's real-life GIS um, supply, and ch- supply chain They know exactly where it is, yeah. and, and that they, helps them decide how to make that better. But it also helps us as customers, like, well, I should stay home because it's only 10 stops away. Right. So that that totally makes sense to me as sadly a frequent Amazon user. I know exactly what you mean. I got to race home before the, the porch pirates get my package. Um, but on a bigger, more important um, uh, topic here, let's talk about the, a catastrophe like these wildfires in Australia. Now, you've said that GeoSlu has the ability both to help prevent wildfires and after a fire to assess the extent and severity of what's happened. Let's talk about prevention. What what role can you play in that? So Absolutely. So we we have uh, research happening at several different labs on our campus. We have research that's happening in Dr. Luna's lab and Dr. Sagan's lab, where they are where we're actually doing work with satellite imagery to actually look at the vegetation, the quality of the vegetation. We're able to predict the mortality of trees, and so we, we get a sense of um, the dead trees that are there. And, and these are the that this is the the raw material that can cause um, fires. And so not only are we able to do this in real time, but we're actually able then to look at uh, water quality after a fire happens to try to understand how safe is that water and then look at different types of stability of the land from remote sensing images. And so we're, we're doing this right now in California in, in these different labs. After they've had the wildfires yes. out there. But you can also predict because you can take these images and say, Here, here's an area that, that has experienced a high level of, of tree mortality you should look at it and, and try to mitigate uh, a potential disaster. And then, Sean Stedman, I imagine that becomes something where that information goes to somebody who's in emergency management. What what might you find yourself doing then as a result of that info? So what we'll work with is we'll take that data and we'll use the agencies that are around us because we coordinate the agencies. Say, hey, you know, maybe you need to go in and maybe we need to clean out some of that dead debris. Uh, or maybe we need to look at what happens in terms of structural entities. Do we need to change some of the codes and things around those based upon that information? So when we start managing it from a mitigation standpoint, it becomes very important because 
there's a lot less response if I can mitigate the issue ahead of time. And what about this issue of assessment after the fact? You mentioned looking at satellite images. I mean, are we almost getting information at real time in this, at this point from space? I mean, what's we're, the turnaround look like on we're that? We're getting pretty good. Um, we still need um, better systems, better dispersed systems to integrate this information. But it, where we're at today is not where we were at two decades ago. And so... Um, I think it's a pretty exciting field to be in because we are almost in the era of real-time GIS um, decision support systems. And that's yeah. got to be exciting in your field. Oh, it's very exciting because it really it gives us a strong situational awareness, and that's what we need in order to make the correct decisions. And so that's really key. In terms of these predictions, I feel like sometimes um, we're all so focused on the crisis at hand, nobody is planning ahead or somebody's going to say, oh, hey, this is an area where there could be trouble if these trees aren't cleared out, but people are so busy dealing with yes. the problem that's already flared up. What does it take to, to use that information that you're getting to actually make people make the right decisions there? Well, it really means what do we do with the information? There's so much information out there, we have to prioritize it. And so part of that is looking at that prioritization of the data and saying, okay, what's actually going to cause this? So what's the cause and effect? Uh, we call it, you know, it, what's the cascading event? And that is, I've got the main event, but what are the subsequent events that could happen because of this? So we're always looking as emergency managers, we're looking way into the future saying, okay, what do I need to do now? to make sure this doesn't happen? Or what resources do I need to bring bear, to bear on the situation now that will eliminate or mitigate those future issues? And uh, Ness Sandoval, you talked about this work is currently being done um, in regards to California. Is this information going to decision makers there on the ground? Uh, that I'm not, I'm not sure of, but I can talk about work that we're doing here. So we, we just completed, um, two students completed dissertation work where it is being shared with local policymakers um, here it's not about wildfire, it's about flooding. And so the two dissertations um, look at using GIS systems to better understand what the implications would be when um, the Mississippi floods. So they're specifically looking at some local sites. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me what sort of data goes into that research they're it's doing. It's a tremendous amount of data. So we're looking at water flow, we're looking at changes in um, temperature, we were looking at the social economic environment that may be impacted by flooding. Um, so these these decision making systems are very complex systems because there's there's thousands of data points that come into a model. Um, the other dissertation looked at evacuation patterns mm -hmm. and looked at the cost of evacuating if there was an earthquake here or if there was a flood. Oftentimes the best decision made not to actually evacuate, uh, or you, you evacuate certain parts of the city and not the entire city. And so this dissertation looked at Houston, the case study uh, retrospect of Houston, and probably the wrong decision was made in Houston. Um, Looking at one of the recent? Um, yeah, Hurricane oh, Harvey. And so she has built a very elegant model that, that takes into traffic flow, the, how, much, how many cars can get on the interstate, the amount of fuel needed to get out of this, the Houston metropolitan region. And it's very complex. It, it sounds easy. Let's evacuate a city like Houston. But it's a very complicated problem. And all you need is one car to break down 
and the model's going to break the down. The whole highway's yeah. backed up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Now, I mean, this seems like um, just tremendously useful research. It's such a difficult judgment call. Do you evacuate the city or not? People are yeah. sitting on the highway and stuck for hours. It's obviously a problem. And yet the political considerations on these issues can be so difficult. People aren't necessarily um, making a, a decision that's that's based in the facts. They're making the decision based on the political pressures. How do you begin so to deal with that? This is a great point. So we are actually working with Esri, one of the leading um, software producers for GIS systems. And what we're trying to go to is making this information publicly available to everybody. And so if you go online right now, uh, they have a living atlas where you can look at data. And so the idea of GIS is not to just keep it to technicians, uh, but to share this information to everybody so they can see what the risks are in their neighborhoods, Mm. or they can look at their neighborhoods and understand what the disadvantages are. But then they can look at the software and say, I want to change my space. And so in a sense, it's a sense of empowerment. Is What's unique about this is that we are able to share this with just about anybody today. And at this point, a layman could just look at this data and make sense of it? Well, they can, they can make basic make sense, of, sense it. of it. Yeah. They won't understand the algorithms. and the, But the, our, our goal is to have these different um, information sessions to bring the community to come and learn about this emerging technology. So we have a couple of events happening that may be of interest to your audience. On, on the 29th of January, the, direct, the former director of the NGA will be giving a talk about geoethics um, at Cortex. And then we have an event on February 3rd on safety and aviation um, with uh, NGA. Okay. Well, those both sound like very useful things to check out. We'll make sure to get that information on our website. If people are interested in knowing more, they can go to stlpublicradio.org. So, Ness Sandoval, Associate Director of GeoSLU, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And Sean Stedman, Director of the Emergency Management Program at St. Louis University, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.